Welcome to the FPL Blues podcast. Bucks and Brian back on the mic today. We are going to cover the first of a series of three-part podcasts for our preseason special. We are going to look at positions specifically on tonight's episode. We are looking at goalkeepers and defenders, and we are going to give you insight on to best set up your FPL team uh, to attack the fixtures from August 5th all the way through the end of the season focused first on going big at the back and where we see value uh, in the defenders from a pricing perspective and who we think is going to have a bang on season. Uh, So we're really excited to be here tonight. And uh, Brian, great to see you as always. I am stoked to talk about the defense. You know, I love some big at the back formations in FPL. I cannot wait to dive in. There's such great value to be had for these wing backs and attacking fullbacks and even some of the center backs offering a lot of attacking threats. So I think this is a year where we're going to see a big shift in the game week one formations to have at least four defenders in the back. And then there's also some goalkeeper talk we got to cover. So looking forward to diving in with you on this episode, Bucks. Absolutely. And this is all going to be about that junk in the trunk, big at the back. Ooh, ooh, baby, she got back. And that's how our FPL teams, (laughs) I know, speaking for myself, I'm going to be huge at the back. Uh, It's going to be like thunder thighs and you could be knocked over if this backside bumps into you. That's how my FPL team is going to be looking from game one. (laughs) All right, Buck. So let's take a look before we jump into the goalkeepers. Let's just talk about who we think are going to be the top defenses this season. Uh, Let's start with City and Liverpool. I think we're expecting both of these to be the top two defenses again in the league. And we're expecting probably 18 to 20 clean sheets. Do you see anything else changing or are these these two just prime for the plucking of FPL players? Yeah, I think City and Liverpool showcase that they're just head and shoulders above the other teams in the Premier League. And I expect that trend to continue this season. Um, At this point, City have won four out of the last five Premier League titles and Liverpool have the sole uh, other one in that five year stretch. So it's really been dominant. Uh, performances from both these clubs and Klopp and Pep are just putting a masterclass together, not just uh, in putting the ball in the net for their team to put the their goals on the tape on the scorecard, but also defense. I mean, City have been a legendary defense, subbing in no names, putting people in and just having them become stars and Liverpool have a pedigree of defense um, where I think they have three of the best defenders in the world on just their one unit. So uh, pretty impressive and hard to compete with those two defenses. And to round out the top four, I think Spurs and Chelsea have a good claim. Um, They are the Champions League place teams, uh, but they are in that position for good reason. And then I think Arsenal and Newcastle are the teams to watch on the come up and with big things uh, expected of them this season, for sure. Yeah, I agree with all of that, Bucks. I think when we look at Liverpool and City, the spines of their team, their ball control, their domination of possession, it all amplifies the amount of passes that their defenders make. So when you look at somebody like Rabo, Cancelo, Trent, they make so many completed passes, which adds to their bonus, which, you know, in addition to their attacking threat from corners and set pieces and open play, it just makes them no brainers to have in your FPL team. So, um, you know, I think for our special team, the blues, you know, we have a lot to still 
uncover yet on what their defense is going to look like with losing Rudiger. They've just signed um, Kolabelli. How do you say his name again, Bucks? Kolabelli, yeah, 31-year-old out of Napoli. He's a career guy there. Uh, I think it's a great signing. We had great success bringing in another veteran, uh, proven center back in Tiago Silva. He's kind of had a rejuvenation uh, at Stanford Bridge. He looks... um, as spry as he was at 33. So now he's approaching 38. Um, so I think they're looking to kind of redux uh, and uh, remix that signing uh, in the Koulibaly, uh purchase. And I think he's he's a nice fit. I don't expect he's going to be an every game starter, but uh, he's a veteran player, brings great leadership. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what his price is in FPL um, because he's not a really explosive kind of player. He's more of a solid uh slightly slow footed defender. Yeah. I mean, I think we paid about 40 million for him. So I expect him to play over 3000 minutes this season for Chelsea. And I think, again, we have some moves to make, but we could possibly, you know, this possibly keeps the wing backs really on the menu. Whereas if they were going to switch to a back four, then things might've changed. So anyway, um, let's get into it bucks. Let's stop the chitter chatter here. Let's talk about the keepers and overall this opening FPL season, the keepers are 0.5 less at the premium bracket bucks. So let's start with Ederson, Allison, and Lloris. Yeah, really interesting. Those keepers are all priced at 5.5 million. And that's a 0.5 million decrease from each of them last season. So uh, FPL, the official FPL game is really encouraging managers this season to get a little frisky uh, and consider the premium goalkeepers, because I think there has been a strategy that's taken hold that because there isn't much variance in the scores between, you know, uh, rotation risk, uh, first choice budget goalkeeper and the top of the pecking order in an Allison or an Ederson, uh, they really want you to make a decision and maybe dedicate a little more of your starting budget to these better, uh, more proven shot stoppers. And uh, I think they're definitely all appealing. I expect that Ederson and Allison will be uh, head and shoulders above Loris at the end of the season in an FPL points perspective, because I just think they're more complete clubs and they have to do a lot less. So yes, maybe Ederson is not going to get so many save points, but he's going to well make up for that when it comes to clean sheet points that he earns um, pretty much without even touching the ball on some occasions. Yeah. So when we look at last year's average points per match, the top five consisted of Allison at 4.9, Larice at 4.2, Ederson at 4.2, Ramsdale at four and Raya at four. So obviously the three premiums, um, kept the most clean sheets, 20 clean sheets, respectively, for both Ederson and Allison. And then somehow your Larice kind of snuck in there with 16 clean sheets. So really improved defense uh, under Conte. Again, 5.5, it at least gives managers the option to bring those players in and pair a 4.0 next to them. Um, and just there is some value. I mean, some of these guys can get 180 points, but you're really trying to spike that kind of Emmy Martinez season where a 4.5 ends up with the, the bonus, the saves and gets 180 points for the cheap. So uh, we'll see. I don't think you and I will be going for a premium, but I do like that FPL towers price them differently to at least give us an option there and take up one of those premium slots from the top 
uh, performing teams. Yeah, worth mentioning, we're kind of skipping a little ahead here, but Larice is at 5.5 million, and so is Perisic, who's uh, right now tapped to be one of the most popular FPL defenders. He's an explosive, attack-minded wingback who's played under Conte before to great success. So I think the upside move is to go for Perisic and then choose a slightly cheaper uh, goalkeeper because, again, FPL is all about chasing upside betting on what you're seeing on the pitch as well as what the advanced stats, but really going for guys that have haul potential. And that means double digit returns each and every game week uh, possibly. So uh, goalies, it's really tough to do that. You basically need to have a penalty kick save uh, to guarantee that you're going to end up on double digits. Transitioning nicely uh, to the slightly cheaper goalkeepers at 5 million, uh, a guy that I definitely did not expect to see here is one Edward Mendy for Chelsea. Uh, I think he's been arguably one of the top three goalkeepers in the world the last two seasons, and he gets a full 1 million haircut on his FPL price from last season, uh, which is shocking. And I just think he's such a layup uh, that they're going to get somewhere between 14 and 17 clean sheets at Chelsea that no matter who they bring into the defense, he's such a proven shot stopper that I think he is going to be great value for the money. And just one quick comment on the average points uh, per goalkeeper from last season. It's worth mentioning that Ramsdale and Raya, who both came in at an average of four points per match that they played, played a lot less matches than the other three guys up there. So that's something to consider. Raya was out with injury. Uh, Ramsdale missed the opening games of the season as he was not yet an Arsenal player. So just something I wanted to throw in there. What's your thought on Mendy or any of the cheaper guys, Brian? Yeah. I mean, Mendy is obviously the go-to 5.0, you know, they have pretty good fixtures in the first eight, so you can't go wrong there. And if you can scrape the extra 0.5 to upgrade a 4.5 usual starter in uh, your game week one squad, he's a great option. I think we should also shout out Nick Pope. Uh, Nick Pope came in at 5.0. He comes from Burnley and he has saved hundreds and hundreds of shots over his millions, millions now. and billions. <laughs> yeah. That's what it feels like. We, he did have a couple uh massive, like 20 point double game weeks for, for managers. So exactly. he's, he's been yeah. a bit of a legend for some of us, but he's so important to what Newcastle could be this season. And I think just given that the improvement across the entire Newcastle team at home, their park is rocking and he could, he could really keep, you know, 12 to 14 clean sheets this season. So uh, he's somebody that you should consider. And he, you know, posted 122 saves last year for a really bad Burnley team. You know, when you compare that to Mendy, Mendy only had to make 73 saves. So it's a different route to points potentially, but I do actually think that over the course of the season, Nick Pope, might actually face uh, more shots and therefore get more FPL points. That's an interesting take. I think Chelsea is just going to end up slightly uh, ahead of Newcastle from an overall defense perspective. So I would bet that Chelsea have two more clean sheets than Newcastle. And at the same price, that's uh, a a worthy risk uh, to chase Mendy as opposed to Nick Pope. One more 5 million uh, goalkeeper that I want to throw out is one Jose saw for wolves. He came in like gangbusters last season and really was 
the anchor of the Wolves defense. And they had a little bit of a wobble overall, I would say, last season. They weren't as stout at the back and reliable for clean sheets as they had been in previous years. But with their opening fixtures... Bucks, Bucks, that's very generous. A a little wobble. They were utter trash for the second half of the season. I don't know what happened to this Wolves team. We've seen them in the the prem for you know, four or five seasons, they were just hot garbage. And yet, like you said, Jose saw, he still averaged 3.9 points uh, for a goalkeeping position. So I'll, I'll, I'll definitely respect the shout, but I am like a full stay away from, from Wolves defense until we actually see them um, kind of join the, join the rest of the, uh, the top defenses this season. Sheesh. Oh my, that was uh hot flames coming from you. I feel like you just uh, Dude, mixed hot, me with a bag of hot Takis or something. Hot flames for hot garbage, man. I'm, I'm not impressed with wolves. So I kind of uh, disagree. We'll, we'll talk I about think, some more of their assets later, but I, I disagree. I, the reason I brought them up is I think wolves have among the most favorable opening fixture runs. Um, Liverpool and man city are clear. They're just the two best teams. So pretty much any game they play, they're a heavy favorites in. And so they have the easiest start to the season and arguably the easiest path throughout the season because they don't have to play themselves. Uh, That being said, I think Wolves play a number of the promoted teams as well as some of the bottom half teams. I know for a fact they don't play any of the teams in European competition until game week eight at the earliest. So it's a real opportunity if you are considering an early wild card um, to go on Jose saw he's going to be differential and I expect they're going to have a number of clean sheets in their first few matches so uh, with that I think we can move on to the 4.5 million keepers uh, as we get more into the budget territory oh yeah the best of the rest bucks this is my strategy going into each season is just picking a 4.5 goalkeeper and hoping they hit and, um, you know, it's happened with Emmy Martinez in the past. And so we're really hoping for that kind of repeat performance last season, Ramsdale gave us that for about 60% of the season. And he really tallied some big scores and really forced managers hands to even take a hit to bring him in or use a vital yep. transfer to bring him in if they weren't on him. So, uh, again, I think this year is completely different because the season is broken into quarters. So you can really focus like Buck said on identifying the best fixtures for kind of nine, eight or nine games before you use that wild card chip. And then before we reset um, around the world cup. So we have kind of different quarters of the season where you can try and spike that, but the 4.5s, the standout is Raya from Brentford. So bucks, this was a player who played 24 matches last year. He cleaned only eight of them, but he had an average of 4.0 points per match, which is pretty solid. You was really the anchor of that defense and inspired the rest of the team um, to be able to move forward. Bucks, what do you think here? I know they just signed a new goalkeeper as well. Um, so this has put a little bit of, uh, you know, a shrouded cloud around Raya, but I still think he's first choice, right? Yeah, I would assume so. And he was someone that I really loved last season. I actually brought him in right as he got injured. And that kind of uh, was a painful, uh, soggy sorrow of my 2021-22 season because I brought him in and then I immediately had to take a hit to take him out of my team because he was on the shelf for, I believe it was like three and a half months. Uh, so that was oh, pretty painful. Goalie goalie transfers for uh, it's the bugaboo in my backside for sure. And your uh, kryptonite. Yeah. 
one thing is Brentford, I expect are going to be a much improved team. Um, you know, we saw signs of them really earning and, and securing their spot in the premier league. They really got up to speed. And when Ericsson came in, they looked like a team that was going to make a long standing uh, move into the premier league and not be challenging for relegation in a long while. And I think that we're going to see signs of that this season. I expect that Brentford are going to be top half of the table when we get to game week 38. And if that's the case and Raya stays healthy, he's going to be a great uh, investment at 4.5 million. The issue is I think that Ericsson is, was such a magician in the midfield that I think they might get more pressure, um, which is something that they did suffer when he was not yet at the club. They weren't really able to boss the middle of the park and therefore their defenders were often exposed. So I think that could be the case. And this new goalkeeper that they purchased from Lazio is more insurance in case Raya goes down again. Yeah, his contract is up at the end of the season as well, so could be good insurance in case they do not come to an agreement on a new contract. Um, one thing I want to note on Erickson, he actually you know, was rumored and linked to Manchester United, but that kind of fell apart. So I've also been reading across the board that he might be considering a contract to stay at Brentford and stay in the Premier League. So a lot to still happen in this transfer window before the season starts, but hopefully we'll get some more information there. Uh, let's also talk about... Bob the Monster Sanchez at 4.5 at Brighton. He's a player that, honestly, he bores me a lot. Uh, I've owned him multiple seasons because he's always on a decent defense, but he doesn't really offer too much other than six-pointers. So he is not a keeper that I really want to start the season with, but I have seen him in a number of drafts. So what are your thoughts on one of your favorite managers, Graham Potter's defense at the uh, Brighton? There's still so much unknown about Brighton's defense going into this coming season. I think the big question mark for me is who's replacing Eves Basuma in the midfield. He's been one of the best defensive midfielders in the entire world the last couple of seasons. And he's really been a player that's acted almost as if he was an extra man on the pitch, a la N'Golo Conte. He just puts in such a great shift. He's great on the ball. He's great tracking back. And I think that Brighton are going to really suffer without him. And I think he's a major, major get for Spurs. And I expect he's going to be a regular starter oh, yeah. for them. I think he and, was what? He was uh, top two in tackles last season. Uh, yeah. And I think it wasn't even league, close. So. It was like, uh, he was, it was him. And, and then number three was like, I think like 35 tackles behind him. So, uh, he's yeah, a real proven player and it's hard, hard think, not to miss that in your side. <laughs> exactly. And I just think that there's rumors about Cucurella potentially going to man city. Now that it seems like Zinchenko is on his way potentially to arsenal. So there's still a lot of moving pieces, uh, at this point in the preseason. So we're really just betting on what we know right now. And Sanchez has not proven to ever be an upside, exciting keeper. Uh, he's just, He's just good all faithful. And so I think he could be a good option if you're going to double up on 4.5 million keepers, but I don't think he's someone who I would love going into every game week as my starter. Yeah. Taking a look at a few of the other 4.5s, we have Gaita at Crystal Palace. He had four points per start. So he actually had a pretty solid season with Crystal Palace. They had the sixth lowest goals conceded, um, expected goals conceded last season. So um, definitely somebody to keep an eye on at 4.5. 
And then Pickford, a little bit of disrespect because Everton were so bad last season, but he gets a price reduction to 4.5 as well. Um, you know, he made 118 saves last year and really was the hot goalkeeper in the last eight game weeks to keep them up. Um, you know, he's an Everton uh, you know, stalwart. So it'll be interesting to see if they can improve at all. They did sign James Tarkowski in the back and hopefully Guaranteed. Everton will yeah. have a much better season. Guarantee Pickford is never buying a drink in Liverpool ever again. If he was such a superhuman performance last season down the stretch to keep uh, Everton out of the drop zone. I mean, specifically, if you just double click on that game against Chelsea, I think he had like six manic goals where he was literally blacked out out of his mind. And there was like one of the Avengers was in goal in his place. It was wild the the balls he was getting to he saved the ball off the post off his face i mean he had no business keeping some of these balls out of the back of the net and so he really is a top flight keeper the question with pickford is the guys in front of him how quality are they and exactly what's everton going to look like this season uh full season under frank lampard who's a very attack-minded coach all right bucks let's wrap up the goalkeeper section so in our strategies, we definitely feel that you can go, you want to spend maybe about 9 million total uh, between your starting keeper and your backup. So that gives you two routes. This season, you could go with the likes of Mendy at 5.0 and then a 4.0 bench guy who you're never going to play. Or you could easily have a rotation of two 4.5s because there are lots of good options. And again, we'll have an early wild card in around game week five to eight to reset that. And so if we really miss out on one of those, you'll be able to swap them out. So those would be our recommended strategies. Yeah, I really like the pairing. Uh, just if we're talking about two 4.5 million goalkeepers, I love the fit of Raya and Gaita because right when Brentford's fixtures begin to turn and get more difficult is when Crystal Palace start entering a nice run against the promoted teams and just a patch of green uh easier competition. So I think that could work nicely if you are looking to hold your first wild card uh, in the bank for a, maybe until say game week 10 or 11, that could be a strategy you use. Yeah. The only downside of that is you're going to have game weeks where you're really in a toss up and you start the wrong goalkeeper and that keeper gets one or two points and your other bench keeper gets seven or eight. You know, that always seems to happen when you have that 50, 50 calls. So it does add a little bit more of a uh, complex decision-making tree each week, but definitely a, a sound strategy to employ. So, all right, now that we've finished that, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into our beloved defenders. Oh, baby bucks. I got a lot to say and I want a piece of this action. We'll be right back. All right, we are cooking with gas now. Let's dive into the defenders, starting with the creme de la creme, the cream of the crop, the ultra premium defenders. And man, they have been having some wild scores over the last couple seasons. Let's start with the best of the bunch, Trent Alexander-Arnold, coming in this season at $7.5 million. He is the most expensive of all the defenders playing for Liverpool. And he's well worth it, in my opinion. Do you agree, Brian? Bucks, he is a guaranteed 200 points every season. This guy is still coming into his prime, not yet 25 years old. 
He's put in some amazing performances. He's getting double digit assists, has some goal threat set pieces. His right foot is something to really just admire uh, every time you watch him play. So I am very, very happy that he came in at seven. Yeah. Yeah. He came in at 7.5, but I easily would have paid 8 million for him. So when you look at his season and his consistency over the last few seasons, I can't believe he didn't get a price rise. Whereas you see Bowen who has the best season of his career, barely get the same amount of points, barely crack 200 and he gets a massive price rise and he's 8.5. So I think they just really missed the mark on some of these defenders. I think they should have been 0.5 more in across the board for the top five or six premium defenders. Yeah. And it it tracks because at the end of last season, TAA was actually approaching 8.5 million in the FPL game and people were still flocking to get him into their team. So I think there was appetite and there was demand uh, for TAA that is going to well exceed uh, his price um, because I mean, he's such a bargain. I think he's arguably the second most essential player in the game this season, only behind Mo Salah. So he was the first name on my team sheet in every draft I've done um, without fail. He's a can't miss player. You have to have him in your squad. He has been a lock for 185 plus points in three out of the last four seasons that he's been healthy in and uh, two goals, 12 assists last season. You know, if he flips that and gets four goals and 11 assists this season, you know, he could easily eclipse 225 points. So this is a guy that is a lock on both of our team sheets and should be in yours as well, because his effective ownership is going to be very, very high. And it's just foolish to go with Robbo over him. Obviously we love Robbo and he comes in at 7 million, but there's just a different class with Trent and those avenues to points, especially on the potential free kick goals in those corners. You have to go with TAA first and Maybe you you go with Rabo as your secondary uh, defender from a Liverpool perspective. I mean, Rabo is there's no shakes not being TAA. TAA is the best of, of all the defenders, and there can only be one. And I think that Rabo at seven million, he's priced right. I think he's very gettable, and the defensive double up on Liverpool makes a lot of sense because their wingers are they're basically additional attackers. I mean, Rabo gets forward. He's also on corners. He, uh, I think was arguably the best defender in the game in the second half of the season. Um, so he's a fitness monster. I mean, when everyone was starting to kind of get a little tired and slow down, Rabo was half step better than pretty much everyone else on the pitch. So he is really class. Um, but he's just not Trent. So I think there's definitely teams and I know I'm tinkering with ways to have both TA and Rabo because they're just that elite and they really are both special players uh, playing on a really talented Liverpool defense. So at 7 million, uh, I think, you know, he's going to have 10 FPL assists at floor. And so I expect he's also going to score somewhere around 175 to 190 FPL points. Um, And I feel confident saying that's probably a lock that he'll be among that in that, in that range, uh, if not higher. So I just think he's, he's so talented and Liverpool score so many goals um, that you can't go wrong. uh, If you went for Robbo and TAA in the back. Exactly. Those clean sheet points are so valuable. Both TAA and Robbo are pretty good on bonus as well. So uh, Robertson had three goals and 11 assists last year. 
and he tallied 186 points. He's actually had over the last three seasons, he's averaging about 185 points. So it's just a massive, massive opportunity for managers to get value there. And so I think the real conversation is, do you pick Rabo over Luis Diaz, who is priced, actually he's underpriced at 8 million in the midfielder bracket. We'll obviously talk about him later, but just to put into perspective, like James Madison last season had his career season with 12 goals and 11 assists. And he ended up with about 180 points, which is the exact same amount of points that Rabo had, but he's less expensive Great shout. and yeah. he's really guaranteed those clean sheet points. So, you know, do you see Diaz coming into your side and getting 11, 12, 15 goals this season? That's a lot to ask of a player. Um, so I really think that Rabo just offers more value, especially if you're not going to captain uh, the likes of Diaz in your team. So if I had a third Liverpool option, I would prefer Rabo over Diaz. But uh, again, only 10% ownership right now in the entire game for Rabo. So it could be that defensive double up that's the big differential versus going with Diaz in the uh, midfield in that valuable 8.0 slot. Yeah, I think that's that's a real toss up because Diaz showed how explosive he can be. He had 14 goal involvements uh, when he came into the league in the transfer, the midseason transfer window. Um, so he was really a player that showed uh, he was willing to go at goal and he was super aggressive, almost to verging on selfish at times. Um, and I think Liverpool are going to still have one of the most clinical uh, attacks in the league. Um, even though we're talking about defenders, the way that the best defenders get big FPL hauls is they also get an assist or a goal because that's how they really solidify that they're going to earn bonus points. So that's where you can go from having a six-point appearance, which means that you play 90 minutes and you get a clean sheet without bonus, to getting potentially 15 points, which is something that TAA and Rabo, as well as the next few names that we're going to shout out, have gotten on many occasion. And that's a nice transition to a different team, not Liverpool. We can talk about the league champions, Manchester City, and their star in defense. And that's one Jao Cancelo, who also comes in at $7 million, the same price as Andy Robertson. Jao, Jao, Jao. Love me some Jao Cancelo. He is a absolute monster in the prime of his career, 27 years old. He actually played about 3,200 minutes out of like the 3,400 available. So he really had 36 total starts, looked great on the pitch for City, both in Champions League and in Premier League. And I think the biggest thing to highlight here is he had the most shots of any defender in the entire league last year and only netted one goal. And he actually underperformed his expected goals by four so if we see a little bit more regression to the mean and some of his shots don't hit the post and they actually go in, he could easily score two or three more goals this season. And he could, again, same like same as Trent, he could be in that territory of 220 points, uh, which would be phenomenal value at 7 million. The only other thing I want to say here, Bucks, is I also love that he can play left or right. And so depending on who City go out and sign, he can play both sides and he's just such a versatile outside playmaker for the city team. Whereas KDB is kind of more in the interior. He brings all the, the pace on the, on the left and right wings and bringing those uh, swinging balls in. 
The big challenge with City in FPL is Pep Roulette. And if you're a veteran player, you know the pain of selecting a midfield option or an attacking option. And all of a sudden your transfer move goes bonk because Pep decided to start someone else. And so your guy that you brought in and you wasted a precious transfer on all of a sudden is not getting minutes. And that could be really crushing. So the reason I think that Jao Cancelo is so valuable is exactly what you mentioned, Brian. His versatility can play on either wing with either foot. And behind Ederson, who's the not out and out starting goalie each and every Premier League match, Ederson is the second name on the team sheet. He's even more nailed on for minutes than KDB. And that's because he just transcends uh, the competition at either of the wing back positions. So I think he's a great player. He's a must have as well. So I think so far we've covered Trent is a must have. I think Cancel is also a must have for game week one and potentially even a season long keeper because he was approaching 8 million at the end of last season. So both those guys are going to be in my team for the long haul for sure. Yeah, and you just can't cover Cancelo with the likes of Walker. You know, Walker's five million. Oh, nah, we'll touch close. on a little bit, but it, the the amount of times that Cancelo just gets bonus and gets a nine pointer just for all his completed passes, it, it's huge. So uh, he's definitely a player that I would want in my squad and is phenomenal value. So let's keep it moving, Bucks. Let's talk about the Blues boys, James and Chilwell. We're hoping for big things from both of these guys. And they came in at both at 6.0. I think this is a steal bucks, but who are you going to go for? Right now I have Reese James in my side and that's more a bet on fitness because Ben Chilwell is coming back from a huge knee injury. Um, one that can be devastating. And I think before five years ago, uh, could have been even considered a career ender. So I just have more confidence that Reese James, slightly younger, he's a Chelsea Academy guy. I think with Aspilicueta leaving, Reese James has, I guess they both don't really have competition for their spots, if we're being honest, because they're just <laughs> so much better than the other guys in that position. But I, I really think that Reese James is going to get about 200 more minutes on the season. And because of that, I think he's he's my selection for game week one. Uh, that being said, Ben Chilwell had the highest points per, per minute uh, of any defender last season. He was around, I think, nine million per match played. Uh nine points per match played last season, excuse me. So uh, he was even above TAA, he was above Cancelo, but he was only healthy for such a limited run where he really was white hot. So I think both these guys are great options. I wouldn't knock going a back line with Trent, Cancelo, Reese and Chilwell, as well as, uh, you know, maybe a cheaper guy to fill that up. But uh, I think both Chelsea wingbacks, especially if they do play a wingback system, are going to be exceptional exactly. value. And I, I think that they're, they're potentially going to end up each around 7.5 million at the end of the season. Looking at Chilwell, he had three goals and six starts. I mean, that that's crazy. Absurd. Right? He, that's he really, totally absurd. really has a, he, he has more of an attacking um kind of mind around goal, whereas we're relying on Reese to, you know, put in some masterclass balls from the, from the right wing. So it's just something to consider. I think both are great options. We want to see their fitness levels in preseason, but when you look up and down the rest of the Chelsea squad, no player has better value than uh, each of these wingbacks. So highly rate them. And I'm, we're not, we're not trying to, we're not trying to be homers. These, these two players um, are underpriced and 
uh, we, we think they have the propensity for, again, those huge double-digit hauls of 12 and 15 points. Yeah, and I think one of them should be in your team. They're at a uh, buy price and uh, their upside is tremendous. With that, let's move on to uh, center backs. This is a situation that I know Brian is enamored with. He loves picking the <laughs> second defender, uh, typically a center back that's slightly cheaper than the wingbacks from one of these best defensive units. And the FPL game gave us a lot of options because Van Dyke, Dias, Laporte, and Matip all came in cheaper than they were priced at last season. Uh, specifically, VVD and Dias both are coming in at $6.5 million. Uh, I think both are great options. It's just worth mentioning they have slightly Actually, Bucks, less. Let me, let me correct you there. Um, so VVD is the only 6.5. Six, sorry, yeah. And then Dias and Laporte are both 6.0. So one of my big strategies last year mm. and where I picked up a lot of momentum in my FPL season was picking the right double up when they had that great run of fixtures kind of mid season when a lot of teams were starting to get tired. They had their European um, action on the side that was thinning out their squads. And I just doubled up with Matip or Laporte in addition to having the likes of Cancelo and um, and having TAA and they really delivered me a lot of points. So not somebody that I would start the season with, but definitely you know, a cheaper way into the team that you can consider because, again, these two teams are going to get 20 clean sheets. Um, their attacking threat, I would rank Laporte actually over Diaz in terms of goal threat. But somehow I was looking at Diaz's stats. He had five total FPL assists last season, which is kind of surprising um, when you when you think about that because they must have been a lot of deflections off of those corner kicks and things of that nature. But since both those teams dominate the ball so much, they will get a lot of set piece, um, you know, opportunities. And that's where these defenders can get on in the action and put one past the goalkeeper. Yeah. Just drilling in to Virgil van Dyke. I think he's established himself as the best defender in the world at this point in time. And it's helpful that obviously he has TA and Robbo uh, running alongside of him, but he's just such a leader, such a talent. Um, the issue is with these center backs is that it's hard for them to be kind of creative engines. So they often have to have the FPL points served up on a platter for them. So VVD, Dias, Laporte, they're mostly going to score their goals from corner kicks or from free kicks coming into the box. They are, you know, physical presence and they head the ball into the back of the net or something like that. So um, a little less upside, but I think all four uh, Virgil, Dias, Laporte, and Matip are all priced to buy uh, between the kind of 5.5 and 6.5 million range. Bucks, the best of the rest. We have some great 5.5 and 5.0 options. Bucks, let's run through it. Let's start with the Spurs wingbacks. We're currently projecting both Perisic and Doherty to start the season, but there could be some possible rotation given that the wingback system that Conte likes to employ is very, very taxing. So what are your thoughts here on both of those players? I think uh, based on what we've seen from their first preseason match, that these guys are both locked as first choice. And I would expect that until Champions League begins around game week six, that they will be uh, minutes monsters. I think that Perisic and Doherty will both likely get 70 minutes on average per match. And that's exactly what you want um, from a team that 
you don't want these guys necessarily having to go the full 90 minutes if they're on tired legs, because then there's a higher likelihood that they blow the clean sheet late in the match. So if you can get 70 minutes and the potential of say a half attacking return per match from each of these guys, it's a no brainer because they have the hall potential, but you also know that Conte's system protects them and encourages them to go forward. So I think both of them are priced right. For me, Doherty is more of a sure thing. He's a proven FPL and Premier League player, and he's, I think, four and a half years younger than Perisic. So I he would be my choice at 0.5 million cheaper. Uh, but right now, Perisic is owned in almost 45% of FPL teams. So he has become a real bargain butte uh, for a lot of FPL managers to kind of easily fit into their team at 5.5 million. Yeah, last year he played a ton of minutes. He had seven goals and six assists. So seven goals would be massive from your winger, especially (laughs) at uh, your wing back at at 5.5 million. So we'll have to pay close attention there. They do have some backups like Sesson Young, and I think they're going after the Jed Spence kid who's 20 or 21. So they could use that depth, but I think both of these players are first choice. So we'll use preseason to continue to evaluate there. But one of those seems like really great value to get into the Spurs side. And I think Spurs are going to have a top three or four defense this season. So could be a no brainer. All right, let's keep it moving with two proven wingbacks at Villa, both Maddie Cash and Luca Dean. These are two players that come in at a really appealing price tag. And if one of your kind of current premium guys gets hurt, you can easily downgrade to these guys. Then they have the opportunity to get nine to 15 pointers as well. So what do you like here between cash and Dean and who do you prefer? I think if I had to choose one, I would pick Matty cash. Uh, He's a a boy that's close to my heart because we share our name uh, affiliation with dollar dollar bills on bucks. He's cash. It all makes sense. But I do think that their fixtures at the beginning of the season are just a stay away for me. Um, So neither of them is even on my watch list at the point in time. Uh, If anything, I think uh, there's better value um, to be had among some of the other 5 million uh, defenders. However, you can't go wrong picking a proven defensive asset with attacking upside. And I think both these guys offer that Uh, in spades. They're just, again, it's the, we need the clean sheets to be the floor. And I don't think either of these guys has it. Yeah. So actually I want to correct you there. They actually have a great first four set of fixtures and then they really hit some tough ones. So they open up with Bournemouth, Everton, Crystal Palace, and West Ham. But then after that, they have Arsenal, City, Leicester. So there is a world if you're going to use an early wild card or you're looking at maybe you know targeting uh, some movement in, in between that 5.0 slot that you could start the season with um, with one of the villains. So, all right, let's keep it moving because there are other great options. And that includes Trippier. Uh, he is 5 million at Newcastle. He had a couple of goals, a couple of wonderful free kick goals when he came before he, uh, I think, I don't know, was it a bad ankle sprain or he break his foot? Um, what are your thoughts he, here on He broke uh, his foot. Yeah, he broke his foot, but uh, he was the signing of the winter transfer window for me. Uh, he was just so transformative and was basically single-handedly together with his former coach, Eddie Howe, now current coach, reunited. uh, Them together basically righted the ship for Newcastle or began to steer uh, the ship in the right direction. He's on all set pieces uh, other than penalty kicks. And at 5 million, he's a fitness monster. So he's nailed. He's going to play every single match for Newcastle that he's fit for. And I just think his attacking upside is tremendous. And 
as I said at the start of this episode, I think Newcastle are going to be competing as one of the best defensive units this season. So therefore, if you can get in there at $5 million for a guy with great upside, uh, makes a ton of sense. He's someone I'm trying to fit into most of my drafts. Definitely a good shout. All right, Bucks, let's talk about the assets at 5.0 at Arsenal, Gabriel and Tierney, both $5 million. I really like Tierney's game, but he can never stay healthy. But this could be a potential season where we take a short-term punt on him because of the wild card setups. Uh, what are your thoughts between these two and um, you know the, the prospects of Arsenal uh, having a strong defense once again? Tierney is someone who I've mentioned on previous podcasts going back through last season as the person I thought is most deserving to take the next phase of captaincy at Arsenal. He's a great player. Uh, He has the right mentality. He bombs forward. He's very attack minded. His only issue, his only knock is fitness. He seems to get injured every five or so games, and he can't really ever put together long stretches where he's fit for half a season, let alone a full season. So that would be my one concern. Arsenal do have a great opening start to the fixture calendar. Um, Gabriel is just a complete stay away. He did have three goals last season. Um, however, I just think that that's hard to replicate. And he, he has- I don't know, Bucks. He actually had, he actually had five goals, which oh, he is um, he led. He, he led the entire premier league in defender goals. So wow. definitely a player who he played 3000 minutes last season. So uh, over a thousand more minutes than tyranny. And he ends up with five goals. So he is also prone to that uh, Brazilian seeing red or seeing uh, yellow cards. So you have to take that with a grain of salt, but I, I do think he is pretty good value. He's somebody that I will likely have on some future free hit team, but would not be starting the season with him. Nah, they're, they're both stayaways for me. And uh, I think so is the last guy that we're going to touch on and that's Kyle Walker. And I think we can bunch Kyle Walker as well as Mark Cucurella uh, in at the same. Yeah. They're both 5 million. They're both competing potentially for the same spot at man city. Uh, They're not training on the same grounds right now, but we know that if Cucurella is bought and brought into Pep's system that he will likely lock down Walker spot on the left. Um, I just think that there's too much unknown. And with three weeks remaining in preseason, if Cucurella isn't going to sign this week, he's a complete stay away from me because Pep has a very complex and movement oriented strategy and system. And that's something that's hard to pick up on the fly. And Walker just isn't a player that has high upside. He's quality. He's definitely very fast and he can be plucky at times, but I think for me, he's much more likely when I watch him to get yellow cards than he is to get any attacking returns. So uh, I think both those guys are stay away at this point in time. Yeah. Good shout. All right. Let's keep it moving to the cheap defensive enablers. We're talking about the 4.0s to 4.5s to close out the podcast. Two options that are really fitting into many FPL manager sides include the likes of Tomiyasu and White at the Arsenal side. So these are two great options at 4.5. They have the fixtures to prove, and they could really either be in every game week starter for you or be your first bench slot. So I really like the prospects of both of these guys. 
Tomiyasu is not as durable compared to White, but and he also plays, you know, in a fullback. He only had one assist last season, but if he plays more minutes, maybe he gets a few more chances in a in a, an improving Arsenal attack. So I think he's by far and away the number one four point five option to start the season. Do you agree? Well, he is uh, from an FPL manager's ownership perspective for sure. I'm not sure that he's quite earned that title as of yet. Um, He's just a very popular pick because he doesn't have much competition for his spot and Arsenal have such great fixtures. So it is really a cut rate uh, way to get into attacking style player uh, for a quality defense. And that's where I think his appeal is. It's all uh, in kind of the the hints of upside that you might be getting uh, if you bring him into your team, not necessarily anything we've seen him do in the past. Yeah, I was surprised to see Ben White didn't get a jump to 5.0 because he really had a solid season. You're not going to get any attacking threat out of him, but he's consistently on bonus. You put in a lot of six to eight pointers for both your squad and mine last season. So fond, fond memories of him. Uh, let's keep it moving to the likes of Lester, who I really feel are going to have a little bit of a bounce back season. They look to be healthy and all of their defenders are 4.5. So Bucks, they have some tough fixtures to start, but I think we'll definitely see one or two of these guys make our squads throughout the season. I mean, Castagna, that's a huge insult to him. He was 5.5 million last season, and he was kind of the only bright spot in the Leicester defense until Schmeichel and Leicester had their kind of uh, fit of double game weeks, one after the other after the other. Uh, he was really the only guy that was holding his own in that backline unit. Uh, so for him to come in at 4.5 million is shocking. And I think it's a little bit of a slap in the face to him because he really is a proven Premier League defender. Um, I think James Justin is the guy at 4.5 million. That's the guy. Who would be the other player that I think is going to um, catch a lot of eyes. Um, this FPL season. He's healthy. And when he was fit in 2019, 2020, he was one of the best young talents coming up. Uh, there was reports that Lester were going to sell him because they could get such a King's ransom for him at that time. But uh, he really fits nicely into their plans. And I think he's a good player. So uh, with him and Fofana, both back alongside Castagna, I think they are going to be a much improved defensive team, but it's just, it's too early to say, and I want to see them do it in real meaningful games at the start of the Premier League season against uh, choppy waters. They have a good fixture followed by a hard fixture, good fixture followed by another hard fixture. Um, so they're a wait and see for sure for me. Yeah, James Justin was a monster on bonus points in the 2020-2021 season. So he's a player that I definitely have on my watch list uh, for later in the season. Let's move on to... Brighton, and we have for the first time Lewis Dunk. He got really disrespected. He got a reduction to 4.5 million. I think he is out and out the second best 4.5 million pound defender. And Lamptey also 4.5, but he's got um, you know hamstrings made out of peanut brittle. So I, I will stay away from him for sure, <laughs> even though he's a speedy Gonzalez type of player. Uh, what do you see here? I don't know if I agree with the dunk shout. I think he's a proven uh, Premier League talent. He can get headers and he's on some free kicks. But as I mentioned earlier, I'm just not confident that Brighton's defense is going to be the same stalwart uh, 
unit that they have been in seasons past. So I think Brighton as well as, uh, like I mentioned with Lester are also a complete stay away. Uh, but dunk would be my choice. If I had to pick one of the two, I would definitely not be going Lamptey. He's going to, uh, get injured in the first four or five games. Um, I'm 85% certain of that. So, uh, let's <laughs> plus, keep it moving. Plus, I mean, he, he plays, he plays 45 minutes and gets taken off at half, uh, quite a bit. So they manage his minutes a ton. So he's a stay away, but a lovely player to watch when he is on the pitch. Um, oh, earlier we talked about spiking the fixtures and let's talk about the wolves team who you have a little bit more conviction in both, uh, eight Nuri, Johnny and Collins, who is the new, a center back that came over from Burnley. They all come in at 4.5 and they have a cupcake set of fixtures to open the season. Could one of these players supplant your premium backline and uh, be in a rotation possibly with Tomiyasu? Well, I have to say that this Nathan Collins signing really piqued my interest into looking into Wolves. Uh, he's a player who got a number of goals and was really emerged as a lock uh, for Burnley defense. I mean, that's like saying it was a lock to let in three goals a game for the Malaysian national team because uh, Burnley was doing a lot of losing and not a lot of uh, quality showmanship on the pitch. But he's a proven player. He's going to be competing in the World Cup. So he has a lot of motivation to play and play well. And I think that the opening fixture for Wolves is just so appealing that um, all three of these guys really have upside. and. I think for me, eight Nori is the most exciting from an attacking perspective, but he's prone to get substituted and not really nailed in his position. Whereas I think Collins and Cody are going to be the go-to um, center back pairing uh, based on the price that they splashed for Collins, as well as Cody's pedigree as the captain for Wolf. So I think um, we're going to see a lot of saw Cody and Collins, um, kind of anchoring the Wolves defense. And th historically, they've been a good quality unit. They're a little lacking in offense, um, but they do tend to get between 14 and 15, excuse me, between 12 and 15 clean sheets uh, in a good season. Yeah, in a good season. We'll see if that is next season. All right, Bucks, let's end with the enabler of choice at 4.0, Nico Williams. He makes a transfer for a big money signing, 17 million. Um, to go from Liverpool to NFO, a.k.a. Nottingham Forest, nailed on starter, most likely for promoted side. You know, this this screams um, like a, a really good opportunity at some point in the season to save money and bring them in. I prefer the premium guys that are even, um, you know, 5 million or 4.5, much more than him in that slot. But he's definitely an enabler of choice. Yeah, the real question is... Um... You know, what are you getting with the 0.5 million that you're saving going Nico Williams over a player like Tomiyasu? Uh, because I think it's hard to see uh, Nottingham Forest getting anywhere close to double digit clean sheets. So I think that no you're way. really no way in hell they do. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they're going to be the 20th place team by a wide margin this season. So um, it's a stay away for me. But I do think that if you can find a couple budget midfielder option, then 
Nico Williams is the perfect third bench slot. So, you know, if you're confident that this Andres Pereira guy that we're going to talk a lot about in next episode, when we dive into the midfield is going to be a bargain butte at 4.5 million in midfield, then maybe Nico Williams is the perfect guy to slot in behind him as the third bench spot so that you can get the max money into your starting 11. And really that's what it's all about. You can only get points from the guy's that are in your starting 11, uh, unless you're on bench boost, which we'll talk about in a further yeah. episode as well. <laughs> Definitely. Love that shout, Bucks. All right. That is the end of this episode. We defended the defenders. We are going to go all in with them. Big at the back, Bucks. Can't wait to see our team uh, reveals and our, our drafts later in episodes to come. But thank you very much for tuning into this episode. Follow us on Twitter at FPL Blues Podcast. We've been growing that community quite a bit, have almost a thousand um, followers. So please continue to engage with us there. We're also on Instagram at FPL Blues Podcast as well. And then wanted to have Bucks just give you the code for our free mini league and hope you can have a chance at winning some prizes and getting shout outs on the pod. Yeah, if you're here, you're subscribed and following us on your preferred podcast provider, please join our free mini league. It's the number four M U M S mums two for mums two is our league code. I think it's the best out there. And I think we're going to be one of the best mini leagues in the game this season. Uh, so really exciting time. Let's go. Yeah. Let's get these green arrows. I'm ready for game week one. August 5th cannot come soon enough, baby. All right, Bucks. We'll catch you soon for the midfielders extravaganza. Thanks everyone. Talk soon. <laughs>